What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? It's just me and Nick today. Uh, Richard, it's finals week now for all of us. Richard has a lot of work to do, so he's not going to be joining us this week, but he definitely should be back on next week. Um, so I think we should just get into it. So baseball, a lot of baseball news, different than past podcasts. I mean, basically everything's heating up for baseball. Um, the fir- This seems like a while ago, but the last time we talked, Steven Strasburg hasn't signed his deal with the Nationals yet. And um, it turned out to be a really big one. It broke the record for a pitcher pitching contract until Garrett Cole signed with the Yankees. And I kind of want to focus more, a little bit more on Garrett Cole than Strasburg. Um, so me and Nick probably have differing views on this, especially based off our point of views. But I kind of feel like the Garrett Cole signing hasn't overhyped might be the wrong word but I think that Garrett signing Garrett Cole to such a contract was a big risk for the Yankees and obviously they have to they have to pay him a lot of money to get the talent that they need but it's a big risk for the Yankees considering the contracts that they want to be able to sign in the future I don't know Nick what is your what are your thoughts on that uh so first of all I didn't even know I thought we talked about it on last week's podcast, but you're right. It wasn't it wasn't news. It just broke out. Yeah. It just broke out this week. Um, going off of that, I think that it was a good signing for the Yankees in terms of uh, looking at the Yankees last season. What was their, their major issue? It was the starting pitching rotation. Garrett Cole takes their, their I would say, mediocre pitching rotation and really elevates it. Definitely. Uh, when you have Severino, uh, what was a Hap, I believe? I'm so out of baseball now. I don't know. Um, oh, wait. Uh, it's Severino was Paxton. He, Paxton, that's what yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah. say. I'm in Paxton. Uh, Tanaka, and then I guess CC was, was in that kind of rotation. You know, it, it was yeah. it was weak. Like, those pitchers in, in that roster, you know, you're looking at a, an, an average roster, pitching roster at best. Mm-hmm. But when those pitchers are secondary to somebody like Garrett Cole, it's it's really an elevated pitching roster. It makes it one of the best in the league, in my opinion. Just the combination, you know, that's the type of caliber. That's the caliber of player that uh, Garrett Cole is. Um, looking at the signing itself, the the Yankees signed into a nine year, three hundred and twenty four million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. No player is worth the amount that is three hundred twenty four million dollars. That is a ridiculous amount of money. You know, no player as an individual is going to be worth that much. However. Uh, paying paying for a player, not only with the caliber that Garrett Cole has, but the the hold that he fills with the Yankees, that he that you know for all on, on paper he fills the biggest hole that they had in their roster. You know, you, you if you can get the opportunity to get that, you you have to no matter what the the money is. And so that's like that's you know that's the positive sides uh, on the, the Garrett Cole signing. On the negative sides, as you um, as you alluded to. They're gonna have struggles, you know, affording be able to be able to afford players. Um, so far, the Yankees have let uh, Diego Gregorius walk, which they were probably going to anyway because he just he wasn't worth the money for them to resign in terms of, you know, the role that he fills. Um, but it, you know, is one of the examples of the players they're gonna have to like. Oh, I mean, Diego Gregorius is a very good player. You know, if you if you have the opportunity to resign a player like him, you would. Um, you know, second to that. Uh, when you look at the Yankees roster right now, you have Judge, uh, Torres, and Gary Sanchez still on their rookie deals, still on their rookie contracts. 
and these contracts are going to expire at some point, you know, at various times. Um, and you're going to have to pay them a good amount of money. I mean, they've been all stars. They, they've they put up great numbers. You're going to have to sign these guys to a lot of money. And Garrett Cole is going to eat a decent portion of your, your salary that you can, you know, afford to shell out each year. And the Yankees are going to have to figure out how to move money around and move players around to be able to afford those players, uh, you know, in long-term looks. Yeah. Um, overall, I'd say it was a good signing. It's just, you know, it, it may it may have some negative effects uh, down the line. But, you know, it, ultimately, I have faith in the Yankees. I mean, they're the New York Yankees. You can never – they're kind of like the Patriots of football. You know, the, the Yankees in baseball and the Patriots in football, you – even if it looks like they're making a bad move, you can never really doubt them. They always somehow come out on top out of every move they have. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely what they needed. But the one thing I do have to say for Garrett Cole is, and I put this in my point of view, and some people weren't happy with it, but um, I feel that his he's played seven season seasons in baseball, and only his past two seasons have been like his elite seasons. Um, he's never won a Cy Young, which of course doesn't mean like a lot, but he's not, he could be considered the best, but throughout his whole career, um, he just hasn't been that great. And I feel like people like Jeff Passan or Payson, he said that he's one of the greatest, he's the best pitcher to hit the free agent market when there's players like Max Scherzer, who's hit the free agent market. And I consider Max Scherzer better than him. Mark Teixeira said he was like one of the best pitchers ever Uh, that's a little crazy and I feel like we might be getting this is probably me being biased but we might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves with Garrett Cole being this amazing player uh, based off one really good one elite season and one good to elite season and he's had five seasons before that where he was okay but off of that um I'll get into some Mets news. The Mets signed Patrick Corbin and uh, Waka to one-year deals. Um, Kind of interesting because now they have six pitchers who are supposedly in their rotation. So either the Mets are looking to trade one of their bigger names like Mats or Syndergaard or put Rick Porcello. It would probably be Rick Porcello in the bullpen. Um... I'd, I really don't want to get into this because it would create a bigger conversation, but I'd rather them keep who they have right now and put one of those players that they signed into the bullpen because I still have some hope in Syndergaard, but if there was one person to trade between Syndergaard and Mats, it would probably make sense to trade Syndergaard because you're going to get a lot more for Syndergaard compared to Mats. But besides that, that's it for the Mets stuff. Um, another big signing was Anthony Rendon signed with the Angels. So obviously the Nationals decided to go with Steven Strasburg and not Anthony Rendon. Um, Anthony Rendon got a huge contract with the Angels and is now in L.A. and out of the NL East, which I am happy about. Um, it's not really much more to talk about there. And then... Corey Kluber was traded to the Rangers today. I did a point of view and a react on this, so I'm not going to go too far into it, but I kind of think that the Rangers had to pay very little for a talent like Corey Kluber. Obviously, Corey Kluber did have a down season last year, but I think there's a lot of potential there, and you've seen the potential. I think it was maybe just a bad season. He also only played five games because he was injured, so I think that the 
Rangers got a really good steal, basically got a steal for Corey Kluber. Um, and then the Yankees re-signed Gardner. Any comments on that, Nick? Um, uh, yes, and I'll have a comment about everything you just said. I'll oh, okay. Post that. Um, in terms of Gardner, I think he, he's been such a, like, a rock for the Yankees for so long they had to re-sign him. I think $12.5 million was a little steep for him, but... I don't think there's going to be anybody else better on this, uh, the market that's going to give him the, the consistency that Brett Gardner will for the price. So it's kind of a no-brainer to re-sign him. Uh, he had a pretty good year last year. It was a little bit of a resurgent year. And, you know, overall throughout his whole entire career, he's been really consistent for the Yankees. So I think it was a necessary signing for them. Um, I, in terms of who else the Yankees should sign, I'm thinking maybe a first baseman. I'm still iffy on Luke Voigt. Um, I think he, he'll be solid, though. He won't. He's not going to be... A negative to the team. I just don't know if he's going to add to the team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, and then beyond that, I have a question for you. Why is nobody? Why is nobody wanted to sign with the Dodgers? Why, everyone's anti-Dodgers this off season. Yeah, I don't really know why. Um, I feel like Anthony Rendon to the Dodgers would have made sense, but they're what they're saying is that he doesn't like, and this could be for a lot of players that. Going to LA, they were ho- they want to. Some of them don't want to be in like the spotlight that the Dodgers have. Like compared to the Angels versus the Dodgers, the Dodgers have so much more of a spotlight on them. Just not based off how good they are, but based media. off media and stuff. The Dodgers are always there, and you, you always see the big stars going to the Dodgers games and not really the Angels games. So I think that mm-hmm. plays a part. Um, do you want to move into football now? Uh, sure. All right. Um, so, looking at the NFL, um, before I do my rundown, hasn't been much exterior news um, outside of, you know, my rundown. Uh, I guess one thing, the least important thing I'd probably say is the NFL's kind of shifted their views on uh, pass interference. It's been slow, you know, slowly, slowly changing. At the beginning of the year, uh, pass interference challenges really didn't change anything. Almost every single call stood with what was called on the field. And since then, it's kind of changing. I'm assuming, I guess, I believe it's through, done through a committee or some type of group in New York uh, at, at NFL's headquarters. Yeah. Um, and they'll judge, you know, what happened on the play and go based on the rule book. And, and they'll, you know, decide whether a challenge is, is valid or not. I think they've kind of learned from their mistakes. And I definitely say the, the rulings have gotten a lot better, a lot more consistent. So that's good for the NFL. Um, after that, I guess the biggest news would be uh, Lamar Jackson. At this point, he's basically locked in MVP. He broke the single uh, quarterback single season rushing record, who was previously held by Mike Vick. Mike Vick was uh, pretty excited for him. Um, you know, Mike, Lamar Jackson is the real deal at this point. I don't think anybody can doubt him, at least for this season. But I, I, I'd say that we have to get more seasons out of him to confirm if he's going to be this Hall of Fame caliber player that everyone is now seeing him as. But you know, to say that he he didn't have a good season in the NFL would just be ludicrous right now because he's been the absolute best player in the NFL on a week-to-week basis. Um, beyond that, in terms of other people breaking records, uh, I know Adrian Peterson moved up to fifth on the all-time rushing list in terms of touchdowns. Um, I forget who he passed. He passed Walter Payton. Uh, so I think the top five rushing touchdown uh, running backs, I believe number one is Emmett Smith. Number two was Ladanian Thompson. Three was Marcus Allen. Adrian Peterson's now four. And Walter Payton's now five. 
Uh, do you have any comments on those, Brian? Um, I guess on Lamar Jackson, um, I don't really have anything to say about Peterson, but he, I really didn't watch the Jets game maybe like a few moments, but I was watching with my brother. It just seems like everything's so easy for Lamar Jackson, and that could be like his confidence and how good he's been playing this season, but I was watching the throws he was making and like the decisions, and at least when I was watching, he didn't make one bad like decision on the field and I think that it definitely has a part to do with like his increased confidence but also that like he has something he from the beginning of season had something to prove that people were doubting him and I he's taken that by storm 100 percent uh Lamar Jackson has improved his his arm talent a little bit you know his mechanics which has helped him in terms of like physically throwing the ball but I think most importantly his decision making in terms of you know who to pass to and going through his progressions and his reads yeah uh, that's that's improved significantly, and that's that's one of the major causes for him, you know, playing so well this season. His athletic ability has always been there. It's just whether the question he could throw the football and he could make the right decisions, and he's definitely doing that. Um, I guess we'll start there. Jets Ravens uh, played their first game of the week on Thursday. Uh, the Ravens won forty-two to twenty-one. The Ravens moved to twelve and two. The Jets moved to five and nine. Uh, Ravens twelve and two, hottest team in football right now, Super Bowl favorites. And the needs um, you say anything more about that? Just remember, big trust. <laughs> I love that so much. Mark Ingram has slowly developed into one of my favorite players just because of how much of a character he is. Um, on the Jets side, I've talked about it before, they're not going to make the playoffs this season. Uh, Adam Gase has won enough games this season where he's not going to get fired and he'll, he'll buy himself another year. But I don't feel like he's the long-term solution there. Um, see what the Jets do next season. You know, These next two games for them are kind of going to be a wash, so. Uh, moving on from there, um, next game we had Eagles Redskins. Redskins, uh, well, the Eagles won thirty-seven to twenty-seven. The Eagles moved to seven and seven. The Redskins moved to three and eleven. Uh, the Redskins were winning the for majority of this game. I didn't catch too many games today because I was also studying for finals. But this is one of the games that I did catch. Um, Redskins were up for a long time, and the Eagles came back to win it. I believe I forget who the wide receiver's name was, but he caught the game-winning touchdown for them, and he was a quarterback turned wide receiver. So. The re- you know, the ultimate uh, underlying reason for that is, or the message behind that is, the Eagles are having a very bad season in terms of wide receiver. The, the little wide receiver talent that they did have, Ashawn Jeffrey, who's a pretty old veteran now, he doesn't, he's not offering as much as he used to, and he apparently looks like he's not happy with the team. You know, he's been injured. Nelson Aguilar's out. Um, Ertz is kind of banged up week to week, but he seems to to get up and keep going, so he's been all right. But uh. I think a takeaway for the Eagles is that I do hope to make the playoffs. And I think Carson Wentz is a really special talent. Uh, the Eagles need to find, find a way to, to get him a system where he can really, uh, really shine in. Cause he plays well week to week. It's just, he has no time in the pocket. His wider his receivers drop balls. It's just, it's, it's frustrating for Carson Wentz. It's frustrating for Eagles fans. Um, I think that they play the Cowboys next week and that's going to be the deciding game for who wins the NFC East. But I, I think the Eagles will win, win out the playoff spot. I think they have a little more heart and a little more uh, what's sort of looking for a little more macho going into next week, and I think they'll win that game out. On the Redskins side, uh, Redskins side, they're three and eleven now. Their team's kind of a mess. I, told, I think I said it before. You know, coaching seems to be an issue. Uh, they got to keep building through the draft and acquiring more talent before they're ready to compete. Uh, moving on, we have Texas Titans. Texans uh, skim past Titans twenty four to twenty one. Uh, Texans moved to nine and five, and the Titans moved to eight and six. Uh, Texans reclaim their division. 
Uh, Sean Watson, really extremely talented. You know, one of the top three quarterback in the NFL this year, or top four, however you want to look at it. They've been, he's been really good for them. Um, on the Titans side, you know, the fact that they're eight and six with a new quarterback, that's pretty good. The, the Titans have done pretty good this year. I think they've, they've found their quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. It seems how, I think we talked about it last week on the podcast, that he's found like almost a new life in, ten, uh, in Tennessee. And I mean, it's good for Tannehill, which ultimately means that Mariota's going to be on the move at some point. Um, I think if the Titans can, you know, continue to build through the draft, maybe acquire some pieces, that could be a playoff team right there. Uh, moving on, we have the Giants and Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins are terrible. The Giants are terrible. The Giants did win it 36-20. Giants went to 3-11. Dolphins went to 3-11. On the Dolphins side, that, that they've had, they have had they have the least amount of talent on, on an NFL roster. And they've won a couple games. They won 3-11, which is not horrible considering how little uh, talent they have and the fact that they have some new coaching. So, not terrible for the Dolphins, but, you know, they're, again, they're a team that's going to need to build through the draft before they're able to compete and acquire some pieces. Uh, on the Giants' side, Giants are terrible. Eli Manning has performed pretty well since he came back. Uh, Daniel Jones has been injured with an ankle injury for a little bit. So, you know, the Eli Manning's had to step in. He's performed pretty well since step, stepping back in. It's good to see a little last two raw for Eli Manning, who will most likely retire after the season, or the Giants will cut him, which or trade him, which I doubt. I'm sure he'll retire. Or he'll stay on as a backup, but I don't know why he would do that. Mm-hmm. Um... Saquon Barkley had a pretty good game today. Two touchdowns, over 100 rushing yards. I think he had like 40 receiving yards, so it was a pretty good game. Saquon Barkley's been quite a, quite, kind of quiet this season ever since he sprained his ankle and earlier in the season. I forget which week it was. I think it was against, I think it was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's been battling that injury, and he just hasn't looked the same. But he had a good game today. I think he's starting to recover. You know, Saquon Barkley, he's kind of like Odell in terms of like they really channel off the team's energy. If, if the team's really negative and they're constantly losing, it seems like you know, Odell and Saquon included, they're the type of players that don't play as well when the team's not playing as one. Um, but it seems like, you know, with the win today, Saquon Barkley looked happier. Seemed like he had a little extra pip in his step today, so it was a good sight to see if you're a Giants fan. Um, you know, both the teams, Giants, Dolphins, need to build through the draft and need to get better before they can compete again. Uh, moving on, we had uh, Packers and Bears. Uh, pretty close game today. Uh, Packers won 21-13. Packers moved to eleven and three. Bears moved to seven and seven. I think I said it about the Bears in the past. They have the coach. They have the defense. They could use some wide receiver talent and most importantly a quarterback. Although Mitch Trubisky has picked up his play as of late, but I, you know, his sample size is kind of large and it, it's more on the negative side. So if he can continue to build, then they might give him, they might buy him more time on the Bears. But other than that, I think he does need a little bit more receiving talent, a little bit of better offensive line. You know, filling out the offense where it needs to be would be the key for the Bears moving in. They, they may or may not make the playoffs, most likely not at this point. Uh, and on the other side, we have the Packers, who are a Super Bowl-caliber team. Aaron Rodgers have performed really well today, uh, well this year, and their defense that the Packers have been building for over, over the past couple of years has really held up for them uh, throughout the season. Uh, that game ended pretty interestingly, too. Uh, I think the Bears got the ball back at sc- when the score was 13-21. to The Bears drove down the field. They did a couple laterals, and they almost scored in the last remaining seconds of the laterals, but the Packers stopped them at like, the two-yard line, so that was pretty exciting if you watched that game. Uh, moving on, we have Patriots-Bengals. Patriots obviously won 34-13. Patriots moved to 11-3. Bengals moved to 1-13. Uh, Bengals are the worst team in the NFL. Not much to say there. New coaching, possibly. They need talent. You know, all across the board, that the Bengals are a pretty terrible team. On the other side, the Patriots, 
who I guess there's a scandal brewing at them about them cheating, which I doubt they did. If any, if the Patriots are going to cheat, it probably wouldn't have been against the Bengals. I'm, I really, if you guys have been following those rumors, I really don't believe that they're they're valid at all. It's, it's really stupid. The Patriots did not spy on the Bengals. Like they, they have no need to do that. Um, it was for a documentary, apparently. Like who knows what it was, but either way, they caught it right away. So it's not like the Patriots really got a lot out of it if they did cheat, but I, there's no way they did. Why would they cheat against the Bengals? That doesn't make any logical sense. Um, Patriots are the Patriots. A couple things we hear about the Patriots is that they think Tom Brady's not doing that well. If you look at the film, Tom Brady's doing just as good as he always did. He, he's Tom Brady. Uh, the Patriots have a really bad offensive line this year. A couple injuries. Uh, you know, they've lost Nate Soldier over the years. They've lost, they've lost some people in terms of free agency and veterans, uh, you know, some injuries. So, you know, their offensive line is definitely holed out this season, so it's one of the reasons that the Patriots are not playing as good as offense. They don't have a, a strong offensive line right now. And their wide receiver talent's a little bit uh, a little bit patchy, too. They don't really have a solid tight end. Ben Watson is 38, their tight end. They just signed in the offseason because Grock retired. They're getting a new tight end. Nikhil Harry's been injured. I think he's talented, and he has potential, but he's been injured, so he hasn't really been lived up to his, uh, his draft yet. But I think it's absolutely too early to say that, that he won't. And then Julian Edelman is Julian Edelman. You know, he's a pretty solid receiver. He's close to the league class, you know, kind of because he plays with the Patriots and Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, But I digress. Uh, that, you know, that's that's kind of the issues that the Patriots need to work on as they go into the playoffs and then possibly the Super Bowl. You know, you can never count the Patriots out of the Super Bowl. Uh, moving on, we had Seahawks-Panthers. Seahawks won 30-24. Seahawks moved to 11-3. And the Panthers moved to 5-9. and Seahawks, really good team. Russell Wilson, runner-up MVP. You know, well-defensively coached under Pete Carroll. You know, great playoff team. Possible Super Bowl contenders right there. Uh, Panthers, they're 5-9, and nine, which is not terrible. They, they have they, Cam Newton's been on the IR, as we mentioned last week, and they fired their coach. So that team's kind of a mess right now. They're kind of in the taking mode, especially the fact that they don't have a real head coach. They're going to have to find one. Um, so that team's, you know, work in progress. It seems like they're going to try and flip the team really quickly. They have the talent to win. Like, they've won as of late. Five and nine is not that bad. It just seems like if you have the right – if they find the right coach and they can flip the talent, you know, in terms of, like, getting some acquisitions and, and through the drafts, you know, they can flip that team really quickly into a playoff team again. Uh, moving on, we have the Buccaneers who are seven and seven, and we have the Lions who are three and ten and one now. Buccaneers won today, 38-17. Uh, Buccaneers, as I said before, Jameis Winston has been really wishy-washy. Uh, that team has been really inconsistent. But the fact that they're 7-7, I think, is really a testament to uh, Bruce Arians and how good of a coach he, he can be. Um, if it was Bruce Arians wasn't there, I, I, they wouldn't be 7-7. They'd probably be worse, if they, you know, you know, barring getting a really good coach in there. But, yeah, I don't think Jameis Winston is – he's been in, in on the Buccaneers for five years now, and I think it's about his time to go. You know, he, he's part of the reason that he's he's one of the things holding them back from really taking that step forward. On the lines, I think I said it before, but I don't know if Matt Patricia is, is the right head coach for that team. He just he has yet to put in any winnings, any significant winnings together, and they just they seem to gain and lose talent. They don't get any better. I really don't know what the issue is with the lines. I want to see the lines do good because I I like Matt Stafford. He's a great arm. You know, he he can really sling the ball. You know, sling the ball harder than almost anybody in the NFL. I'm a fan of Kenny Galladay. I'm a fan of the Lions. I'm I'm not really a fan of the Lions fan fan, but I, you know I like the Lions as a team, so I, I want to see them do well. Uh, moving on, we have the Chiefs Broncos. Uh, Chiefs one twenty three to three. 
Uh, Chiefs move to ten to four. Broncos move to five and nine. I, you know, as I said before, Chiefs are kind of finally finding their footing after losing like Tyree Kill to injury earlier in the year, and you know X, Y, and Z and injury, Patrick Mahomes injury, and they're finding their footing again. So you know, they're their team to always look out for in the playoffs. Just how good Patrick Mahomes can be, especially with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. We all know about them. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Broncos. You know, Drew Locke, he's, he, he's a rookie quarterback. He, he's, this is his first couple games, so he's allowed to lose some. Uh, we've seen in the last two games that Drew Locke has a lot of potential just because they lost 23-3 to today. Doesn't mean you should totally give up on Drew Locke, um, nor the Broncos. You know, 5-9 and nine for the state that the Broncos are in. They have a lot of veteran players, and they're – they're kind of in a rebuild, but they're you know a five, being five and nine during a rebuild is not terrible, especially if you draft right during the draft. Like if you can flip your, you can keep your team at five and nine. You're not killing your team's morale because you're winning some some games, as well as you're you're also putting yourself in position for a decent draft pick. So that gives you the the, the benefits of you know team morale and, and building a culture, as well as being able to get some new talent on there to really turn the team around and turn them back into a playoff team. So you know it's not a horrible position to be five and nine right now in the season. Um, next games we had with the Jaguars Raiders. Jaguars won twenty to sixteen. I think it's a similar situation with the Jaguars. They got Gardner Minshew in there. They have to find the right coaching possibly and build the right team around him. You know, the Jaguars seem to have talent on defense and usually they put everything together and you know today they did win. On the Raiders, you know, I think I talked about it in the past as well is that um, you know, Gruden coaching him, I think apparently he seems to be the right coach, you know, six and eight with the, the limited roster that they have in terms of talent. It's not bad. You know, Josh Jacobs has been really good for them this year, possible offensive rookie of the year. Uh, you know, there's definitely some momentum in, in the Raiders organization. There's definitely momentum to the, to the franchise. So, the Raiders fan, that's a good look there. Um, next game, we have Cardinals-Browns. Cardinals won 38-24, to as I said in the past. Uh, Cardinals are a really young team. They're going to keep building. 4-9-1 is not terrible for how young of a team they are and a team that has a rookie, uh, a rookie quarterback. So, you know, beyond that, on the other side, we have the Browns, 6-8. and eight. Um, I talked about it in the past. Freddie Kitchens has got to go. Apparently, there's rumors that they're going to keep they're going to keep Freddie Kitchens, and I think that's a mistake. He, he's not providing them with wins. With the, the Browns are one of the top, most talented teams in terms of roster on the NFL. They can't be 6-8 and eight with that type of roster. You need to find the right coaching that can build the right culture and build the right systems. So that, it's going to really build that team. Um, also, I think starting the Browns, we have Odell Beckham Jr., there's rumors that he wants to be traded. Um, he tweeted, he, I, I want to say that they're absolutely false, and you can't buy into those at all. If you look at Odell's Twitter, you'll see that he tweeted out that he's he's happy in Cleveland. He's just tired of losing, and that's totally reasonable. Um, although we, we got to think of the grain of salt because he could just be saying that just to not get media attention. But at the same time, you can't go trusting media when the player himself said something in direct opposition to them. So in my opinion, you got to go with the player over the media. Uh, moving on, we had Vikings Chargers. Uh, Vikings moved, moved uh, went thirty nine to ten. They moved to ten and four, and the Chargers moved to five and nine. Um, again, Chargers are five and nine. They're kind of a, in a rebuilding state now. Um, I think they have a lot of good pieces on that team. I think they need to find a new quarterback and <coughs> and find you know the right pieces to really pick up that team. You can find a quick turnaround playoff team out of the Chargers. On the Vikings side, they've been performing really well this year. I think their coaching is really good. They have one of the most talented rosters from top to bottom in the NFL. And they continue to win. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins has been really wishy-washy for them, but you know, the offense has performed well. I mean, you can't you can't knock Kirk Cousins when he's playing well. Um, well, we we had Falcons and 49ers. Uh, the, the Falcons wind up uh, upsetting the 49ers, say in the final moments, 29 to 22. 
Julio Jones scored a last-minute touchdown and, you know, broke the game away. In terms of the Falcons, uh, you know, as I said, I think they have some good talent. You know, I think they need to find a new coach as well as, you know, fill out the roster spots where they need to between drafts and acquisitions, and they can really turn their team around. Um, in terms of the 49ers, you know, you're 11-3. and three. You're probably second in terms of, like, power rankings in, in the NFL. You, you can afford to lose some. You know, learn, learn from this game and hopefully make yourselves better from it. Uh, in terms of we had Rams Cowboys, Cowboys wound up winning forty four to twenty one. Cowboys moved to seven and seven, and the Rams moved eight and six. Um, I'm surprised the Cowboys pulled away this game. I felt like this was a real big statement game for the Rams. It would move them to nine, the nine and five, and that would have been really big for them. Um, at eight and six, they're becoming less and less likely to win, make the playoffs. Um, I think it's just like John McVay is a really good coach. I just think that I think injuries have been a really big problem for this year, and, and finding their identity has been a big problem. They acquired Jalen Ramsey, and it hasn't helped too much. Um, and they traded a good amount of picks away for that, so they, they need to make Jalen Ramsey work for how much they, they gave up for him. Aaron Donald's been performing well, so it's not Aaron Donald. You know, Todd Gurley is, is part of the issue, and that's because his arthritis in his knees is a real issue, and we've seen it throughout the entire year that with him getting less snaps, it, it's really become a bigger issue for them in terms of building a running game. Uh, the Cowboys side, I think that still you got to say that Jason Garrett needs to go. They've had too much talent, and they've been too mediocre for too long for, in order for them to keep Jason Garrett. He has to go. Cowboys still have a shot to win the division. It, it's really going to come down, in my opinion, to who wins this game next week. It's going to be a really big decider. Um, you know, we got Cowboys and Eagles, so whoever wins that game next week, you know, one of the biggest games of the year in terms of like, in terms of regular season and how much it weighs on, on a team's seasons. You know, whoever wins this game next week between the Cowboys and Eagles will most likely make the playoffs. And I think the Eagles are going to come out on top. You know, it's going to be a really good game to watch. Definitely one to – if you're going to watch any game next week, I would definitely watch Cowboys and Eagles. It's going to be a good one. Um, but I think the Eagles will pull it out. Besides that, I think the, the, the Cowboys just as well, like their coaching hasn't been great. They have so much talent on defense as well as offense. Look at their defense – Van Der Esch and I don't I think Van Der Esch has been out injured. I'm not sure if he's back in yet. But uh, Jalen Smith, um, and then you have they have a solid D line too with uh, Lawrence. Uh, in terms of secondary, you got Byron Jones. You know you have you have talent across an entire roster in terms of defense and offense. You have a really solid solid offensive line. Martin, um, uh, Tyron Smith. You, you know you have you have a you have a lot of talent across the offensive line. Amari Cooper is a really good receiver for them. Uh, I think they have Cole Beasley. No, Cole Beasley's on the on the Bills now. My bad. Yeah, um, but again, like good receiver talent. You got Zeke. You got Dak. That's that's a team that's got to make the playoffs. And I don't think they will because of Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is the key factor to there. Um, in the final two games, which one's currently in progress? The next one's tomorrow. We have the Bills and the Steelers playing right now. Uh, Bills are currently up seven to three in the second quarter. I think the Bills will come out on top and set themselves at ten and four, moving the Steelers to nine to eight and six, which almost it really hurts the Steelers' playoff chances. If I think they could still make it, they have to win out and need the right teams to lose. Um, I think Mike Tomlin's your coach of the year. You know, with all the drama that surrounded the Steelers and all the injuries they've had and the amount of talent they've lost. And they're still like nine, eight, and six, nine, you know, nine and five potentially. Um, that's pretty incredible. Uh, Mike Tomlin has been a really good coach this year. He's definitely the running for coach of the year. And the final game, which we'll see tomorrow on, on Monday, 
we have the Colts and the Saints. Uh, I think the Saints are going to win it out. You know, the Colts are kind of in the same position where they're kind of struggling to find their identity because their quarterback retired out of nowhere at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, Saints are a good playoff team. They're, they're definitely uh, Super Bowl contenders. Uh, I guess that's my NFL rundown for the week. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that little segment. <laughs> All right. Um, so some NBA stuff to talk about. Um, for the Knicks, they are actually on a two-game winning streak, um, which, uh, sure, I'm fine with that. I have, I have to be honest, I have not watched because after the David Fisdale firing – and just basically this whole season, there's nothing to really root for. Obviously, there's young players on the team that you want to do good. You want them to do good. Um, I do think that the reason they're somewhat playing better right now is there's always a sense with teams when a coach is fired or something, you want to play to show that there's actual talent on the team and that you guys are actually good, and they're kind of playing behind uh, the new coach, Mike Miller. Um I don't really think Mike Miller is – I mean, he did win Coach of the Year with the Westchester Knicks, but I don't really see him as their new head coach. I think they have to find someone, but like Richard said on our last podcast, who really wants to come to this Knicks team um, with all the dysfunction that they have, like who is going to want to take that on? Um, there was something I want – oh. Kind of related to the Knicks, but Kristaps has been struggling with the Mavericks, which is nice to see. I mean, it's kind of hard rooting against him, but, like, I I really – nothing good has come out of this Kristaps trade for the Knicks. Dennis Smith Jr. has been terrible. Um, maybe their picks will turn into something, but I think he's averaging, like, 13.6 points, and his defense has also been struggling, so maybe they didn't really lose a lot from that deal, and I hope that's true. Um have any rocket stuff, Nick? Uh, sure, just going off of that, I think the Mavericks are going to kind of fall out of contention for a while. Now that Luka Doncic is going to be out for a significant amount of time. Oh, right, yeah. If you guys don't know, uh, if you guys haven't been following, Luka Doncic rolled his ankle. Was it last night or two nights ago? Um, um, I don't know. Rolled his ankle playing. It's uh, They immediately uh, walked off the, the court under his own power. Uh, couldn't put, bear any weight on his ankle. You know, this is my doctor. If you guys, I'm pre-med, so this is, this is my little section right here. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he rolled his ankle pretty severely. You know, he went and got X-rays after he got off the, the court. Uh, they came back negative, so no fractures, no breaks in the bones. So now you look to the muscles and the ligaments. Um, with the with the inversion that his ankle had, which which um, means that he uh, his foot like rolled to the inside and his ankle kind of pushed outwards. So his foot inverted. Um, the pressure that he, he put on there, it, it could, could cause significant uh, ligament damage. And you'll, you know, step one, he's going to have to try and limit the swelling. Uh, step two, we're going to see what the recovery time is. I, I'd, I'd assume he's going to be out for a minimum of three weeks, maybe a month. Hmm. Um, it just the way he extended it was very hyper. It, the, the extension on, on his ankle was just not healthy. You don't want to see that in the ankle. Um, it's kind of surprising that there were no fractures considering how much uh, torque and, and how much force he used to extend extend the ankle past its like uh, its bending point. Um, 
But, you know, these NBA players they, and these athletes, superior athletes, they always seem to surprise us with their recovery times. So I wouldn't rule them out for, for you know, too long. We really don't know. We'll have to see what, the, you know, the actual doctors say who have the, the scans in front of them and the ankle actually in front of them to really get a good idea of what his ankle is looking like. But not a good look for the Mavericks. Um, do you have any comments on that, Brian? Um, the one – well, obviously Luka Doncic is having an insane season and mm. – um, I guess it would be a shame to see if that has any effect on him the rest of the season when he comes back. But it's also it'll be interesting. I guess Kristaps will be their number one option now, and it'll be interesting to see how he plays again being the number one option. Obviously, with the Knicks, he was, and he played really well on some occasion, on most occasions, and sometimes he struggled. So it would be interesting to see how he plays this season under these conditions, and especially the Mavericks have a lot more, um, like, hype around them, or just, like, they have a lot more tension than the Knicks do in terms of that they're an actual good team, and he has to have that on his back with Doncic out. Mm-hmm, I 100% agree with you. And then the Rockets side, there's not much news. The Rockets just been sucking lately. It's been pretty bad. Um, our defense has been terrible. We can't seem to get it, to get it together defensively. And our offense has been really inconsistent. Harden is the only really key part to the team that really hasn't changed. He's he shot, I think it was two nights back-to-back. He put up 109 points in two nights, you know, 50-plus oh uh, nights, 50-plus points back-to-back nights. Shot six over 60%. Uh, I think Jalen Rose said he's going to, at the beginning, you know, preseason said that Harden was due for a 90-point game this year. And I can see it happening. You know, with the right team, right situation, he, what would he have, 60 points without playing the fourth quarter that, that other game? Yeah. Harden, Harden putting up 30 and a quarter to get that 90-point game is definitely possible, right? Yeah. Um, so Harden's just been crazy. I think he'll get robbed of another MVP this year, but I digress. Um, that's all I really have to say about the NBA right now. I think the key takeaways in terms of, like, are we looking at teams and seedings? The Lakers and, and the Bucks are, like, are a, a head and shoulders above everybody else. And the Clippers really haven't panned out too well so far. Due to injury, they, they got to figure out how to mesh. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count the Clippers out at all, but they just haven't meshed as well as you know. I guess LA fans would have hoped for. Yeah, I mean, with the Clippers, I, I think it's too early to tell. Um, Paul George was out for a while, and yeah, it's just like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard seem to be like those types of players that should mesh well together. And usually, yeah. the players that don't mesh well together are people that often always need to have the ball in their hands and. LeBron and Kyrie. Yeah, stuff like that. So I feel like they should be able to mesh, and also the defense on that team should be able to get much better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's NBA for yeah. this week. Um, and then I guess we'll be on to college stuff. Um, I guess to start with college football. Um, seems like people are not liking my FCS breakdown. Nobody really cares about the FCS. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna I'm just, I'm just gonna say who wins the FCS at the end of the end of the tournament. And just stick to that. And then I guess when it comes around to draft time, I'll, I'll talk about the FCS players that are worth mentioning. Um, that's the most I'll do about the FCS. But we have the FBS. Um, two ma- major stories. You know, we have the, the bye weeks after the championship games. Uh, we have, you know, Ohio State, LSU, uh, Clemson, and Oklahoma preparing for the playoff games. Uh, so we have a bye week. Uh, this week was Heisman week. They, didn't, they announced who the Heisman was. And if you guys didn't know, uh, Joe Burrow, quarterback for LSU, wound up winning the Heisman. I think it was well-deserved. 
Uh, Joe Burrow has really been the best quarterback in college football this year. And although, you know, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, uh, Chase Young were all very good contenders for the Heisman, I think that Joe Burrow has been the most consistent player across all of them. I think all of them have been extreme talents throughout the entire year, uh, especially Jalen Hurts. He's really bounced back. But I think the consistency was was the biggest part. Joe Burrow every single week has been really great. Uh, you know, he, he Michael he could very well go number one in the draft this year to the Bengals. Um, you know, I, I think that Burrow was the right choice. He he, he was the great for, he was greatest at the most consistent level, and he he really deserved it. You know, without looking at statistics, because also the fact that Chase Young was in there as a non-quarterback, it's kind of hard to use statistics to say who was the best. But you know, going beyond statistics, I think consistency just just from the eyeball test, consistency was with Joe Burrow, and that's one of the large reasons I'd say he won it. Which you know also translates to stats. Um, and then beyond that, Chase Young, uh, probably the number one player out of this draft in terms of just talent. You know, quarterbacks are number one priority, but you know, talent is talent. Chase Young probably the biggest talent out of the would be in this year's draft out of this year's college uh, football season. Uh, TMZ reporter interviewed him as he was walking around New York City for Heisman uh, ceremony, and he asked him, you know, what are his plans. And Chase Young announced that his plans are to return to Ohio State at the end of the season, which is horrible news as a Giants fan because he most likely because right now the draft order the Giants would be second, and Cincinnati Bengals would be first. The Bengals need a quarterback, so they would have went with Joe Burrow, and the Giants would go with Chase Young because we have Daniel Jones. And we, I would really want Chase Young. I really hope he enters the draft. I think there's a decent possibility that he's just saying that, you know, what, what it's kind of a tough question to say, like, what is he supposed to say with the, with the college playoffs in a week or two, you know, biggest time of the year for, for Ohio state. What do you going to say? Yes. I'm planning to leave this, my team now yeah, after true. we win. Yeah. You know, what, what exactly is he supposed to say? Uh, I think that, you know, he's saying the things that's right. He, he, you know, there's a good chance that he may return to Ohio state and that's what he wants to do. I hope he doesn't. Cause I'd hope the giants could draft him. But if that's what he wants to do, you can't really knock the man. If he wants, it's not. It's never a terrible thing to want to say in college because let's say you get injured right when once you get to professional, uh, once you get to the play professional, once you get to the NFL, then you're kind of stuck without a college degree. So it's not a terrible decision. I just hope he, he goes to the NFL and joins the Giants. Um, that's it for college football. Um, in terms of college basketball, um, a couple high legs for the week. Uh, UNC has lost a couple games in a row now. They may fall out of the top 25 in terms of the AP poll, which is pretty surprising. I think Cole Anthony got injured. The UNC has really crumbled early in the season. We'll see. It's probably going to take a bit for them to recover, but we'll have to see if they can recover towards the late, latter end of the season. Um, they were ranked 17 this week. I do expect them to possibly, with the losses that they suffered t- uh, this week, to possibly fall out of the top 25. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, moving on from that, uh, Villanova is rising. We we won our game this week against Delaware. I'm expecting with how the teams won and lost won and lost this week that we'll probably see the Villanova Wildcats. You know, my Villanova Wildcats probably be like top 15, top 16 seed in college basketball this week. Um, in terms of games of the week, we had Oregon Michigan really close game, 10 seed versus a five seed. Oregon being a 10 seed, Michigan being a five seeds. Uh, really close game. I believe it went to overtime. Um, and Oregon pulled it out by uh, one point. So that was a really exciting game to watch. Uh, I think Oregon wound up winning that game, trying to find the score, uh, 
And the other uh, latter half of that, we had uh, 15 Arizona versus 6 Gonzaga. Gonzaga won it 84-80, to but uh, I think the numbers for that game don't do it justice. Those teams were battling back and forth for a while throughout the entire game. Gonzaga pulled away late. I want to say they had like a, almost a – I think they had, the Gonzaga had like a 12-point lead with like a minute 15 remaining in the game, right? Arizona came back to almost tie. I think the score was like 78-80 to 80 with like 10 seconds left. And then a couple free throws later, uh, Gonzaga wound up winning it 84-80. to 80. But a really exciting game nonetheless to watch that week, uh, this week. So those are probably my two games for the week. I might start doing that, having games for the week, just to cover a couple games in college basketball. The ones that I watch, the ones that are really good, um, just to give a little more context to college basketball. Cause there's so many games that go on throughout the week, and they're at different times, so it's really hard to track each game by game, but... That's why those analysts on TV who say that, you know, I think of this about this team, this about this team, there's no way they could be watching all these teams. There's too many teams, and they play too many different times to really keep a track of everything. You know, you hear what you hear, and you watch what you can, but to say that they're experts on all these teams would just be ridiculous. Um, uh, the last thing I want to say about uh, college basketball this week is that I, I saw on um, – I followed this account on Instagram called – the at is CBB on Fox. It's – Fox's uh, new channel Fox's coverage for college basketball and for the past 20 years every men's champion was ranked in the top 12 in week six of the AP poll so essentially what that means is that for week six AP focus uh, AP uh, the news the news organization uh, they they drop uh, their top 25 rankings and they're kind of the official rankings for college basketball each week and over the past 20 years, people who were top 12 seeds in week six were winners of the championship. So that what that means in turn is that the top 12 teams in week six this year most likely will, ha- will have your, your March Madness championship. And if we're going to go in order from 1 to 12, we have Louisville at 1, 2 is Kansas, 3 Ohio State, 4 Maryland, 5 Michigan, 6 Gonzaga, 7 Duke, 8 Kentucky, 9 Virginia, 10 Oregon, uh, 11 Baylor and 12 Auburn. You know, according to that statistic, one of those teams will win uh, the championship this year. Well, I don't think that statistic is obviously the end all and be all can easily be broken. I think it's more a testament to the fact that by week six of college basketball, we have a good general idea of who the better teams are versus who 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 isn't. Um, so that's what it really boils down to. Uh, so I guess that's my rundown for college basketball of the week. Um, I just wanted to. I have a little another boxing tidbit. Because, like, I have two favorite boxers that I that I keep up with. Uh, one is Andy Ruiz, uh, which everyone pretty much everyone knows him, big, big chubby guy who who won uh, heavyweight championship of the world last year. Lost his, lost a couple weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago now? The other guy I watch his name is Jose Vargas. He's from part of the Bronx that I grew up in. Uh, he was signed by Mayweather. I'm not sure if he's signed by them anymore, but he he won another fight. I think he he's he's a really good fighter coming out of the Bronx, and he won his uh, match. Uh, this weekend, so I just want to give a quick shout out to him. Congrats to him. Um, that covers about boxing. I don't know if I'm going to keep doing boxing, but if you know, cool boxing news pops up or cool news for a certain sport pops up, I don't mind covering it. So, um, and then moving on from that, we have our controversial topic, which was kind of a last minute thing. Mm. Um, I mean, I know about it and I have my opinion, but I'll, I'll discuss a little bit what it is in case Brian doesn't know, but it's pretty simple. Yeah, I'm sure he knows. Um, so this, I think it was last week, um, how the NFL, so how the NFL has been structuring their Pro Bowls or their All-Star game, which is called Pro Bowl in the NFL, um, 
they've chose past veterans to uh, be captains and then pick out from the players selected to the Pro Bowl, you know, what, what team they want on each team. Just so it's not like if all the best players are in the West, you'd have a West team that dominates the East team, you know, something like that. Um, so, you know, these teams, these teams uh, will be chosen by veteran captains. And one of the captains to choose this year, uh, the NFL chose Michael Vick. Um, and apparently there's an uproar that Michael Vick was chosen as – uh, everyone doesn't know he, he was one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever enter the NFL in terms of his ability to run and his ability to throw, similar to my, uh, Lamar Jackson, although Lamar Jackson has outpaced him at this point in his career, which is really a testament to how good Lamar Jackson is because Michael Vick was amazing. Um, but Michael Vick's career was cut short in 2006 when he was convicted for running a dogfighting ring. In terms of his background of that, apparently he had been raised on dogfighting and it was something that was kind of ingrained in him. He never really said it was morally right to him, but it just he didn't really see it as an issue either. It was kind of something just he did, and he had fun. He had kind of, I guess it was more along, along the lines of like, I never really, I grew up with it, so I never really saw an issue with it. On top of the fact that I kind of had a gambling addiction, because that's most likely what it was, it was based around the fact that he had a gambling addiction. He wanted to make money. Um, you know, morally wrong, criminally wrong. He faced jail time for it. He got out. He got back into the NFL. He never was quite the same once he got back into the NFL. But he played until 2017. I believe he entered the league in like 2004. So he had, he had a pretty long career in the NFL. Um, was pretty good quarterback during his time. Um, you know, past that, he's paid his dues, at least in my opinion. He, he's worked a lot with uh, d- different organizations to really support animals and, and animal abusers. And he's deeply sorry for what he's done. And ever since, ever since he, he, he faced prison for what he's done, he's really changed his, his attitude, especially when it comes to animals, and he's done a lot to repay his sins and repent for what he's done. And Roger Goodell sees that, and he, he said, and that's one of the major reasons he said he's fine with uh, picking him as a captain, and I totally agree with that. I don't think you should. The man made some mistakes. You know, how many years How many years are we going to keep punishing him? It's been over a decade since he's done that. He's done a lot to make up for what he's done. I think it's about time that you, you forgive him for what he's done, you know. Especially with something like this, like this doesn't really matter that all that much in, re- in reality. Like it's it's something cool it's for there's like media coverage and just it's something cool, but it, it's not something that's like really big. Where it's you know his past should really stop him from being a Pro Bowl captain. Yeah. Um, that's that's my opinion on it. I'll turn it over to you, Brian. Yeah, um, I think I agree with you on that. I, like during the time Michael Vick was seen as like this terrible guy who would why would you ever do what he did with dogs but I didn't know about that he said that he was raised on it and I mean at a certain point you have to learn what's right and I guess that's what took him to learn that dog fighting isn't what you're supposed to do um and also based off what you said he's definitely tried to get better and I think that's a great thing that he's done and I think he's turning into one of those role models for the NFL and I think that's probably why he was picked as pro Bowl captain and I don't really have a problem with it but I definitely can understand why people would because people don't see him as a great guy but there's a lot of off the field stuff that he's been doing to change his ways which I think is very um, important yeah yeah, the news media only wants to show you what he's done wrong. They won't. They won't show you all the good stuff that he does. Yeah, behind the scenes. Um, and again, as you said, he's become a really big presence in the media. He's big on sport, on being like a sports analyst and, and being involved with the NFL, and especially the extracurricular activity for the NFL. God, you know, at the end of the day, he's a good guy. He probably 
in my opinion, he had a gambling addiction, and the fact that he kind of, I would say he'd become, I guess the right word to put it in context would be like morally numb. Mm. He didn't really see the morals behind what he was doing at that point. Yeah. I, he would. Ne- I, I'm assuming he never recognized it as a good thing, but he just he was never really affected by the negatives of it. Mm. And uh, yeah, it took him. It took him to get prison time for him to really see what he was doing. And we're here today, and I think it's time we forget forgive him for what he's done. Yeah. But okay, so I guess that's it for a controversial topic. Um, and I guess that's it for our podcast. So I'll turn it over to Nick for any of his final words. Uh, sure. Um, yeah, thanks. Richard couldn't be here with us this week. I thought we had a pretty good week. It wasn't too long, but I think it was packed with a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, what I want to say, it's not uh, podcast related. I don't know. It's finals week. Hmm. I've been pretty busy studying. Brian's been pretty busy studying. We're trying to get some, you know, our good grades, keep our grades up. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to go home next week. I kind of miss home. Kind of excited for Christmas, even though Brian didn't celebrate Christmas. <laughs> More of, a Han- more of a Hanukkah guy himself. Yeah. Um, is it Hanukkah yet? No, it starts the 23rd, I think. Mm. Well, Hanukkah is good for you, and I guess the next podcast we have will be for Hanukkah, so I'll say <laughs> it again then. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited to go home. Uh, outside of that, uh, this, as I always say, it's, this podcast is a work in progress. We try to make it better and better each week. You know, if you guys get suggestions, that would be really helpful. You know, questions, comments, concerns, make sure you leave them down below. Uh, you can contact me at nicholashorvath10 at yahoo.com. That's my email, uh, my Instagram, nick.horvath. Um, and my, my last name is spelled H-O-R-V-A-T-H. Maybe that's why you guys haven't followed me on <laughs> there. You know my last name. Um, and then beyond that, you can find my Twitter at nickhorvath61. Uh, beyond that, just leave like comments, questions, concerns. I think we're doing pretty good. You know, we look at we look at our, our organization, you know, as a whole. It's, it's doing pretty well. We're definitely making some good strides, and we hope to keep building. Um, uh, I guess I'll turn it over to Brian. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, Richard should be back next week. Um, but obviously our different schedules, especially during finals weeks. Finals week is a huge week in college if you're not in college, and it's very important for our overall grades. So that's why he's not here. Um, let's think. What else is there to say? Um, I haven't been advertising on our Instagram about that we have daily videos, but there's still daily videos going out. I just want to mainly have the stories that I put out to be focused on our bigger uh, videos, and hopefully that'll drive more traffic to the U- the YouTube page. Um, right now we're at 151 subscribers, so we passed 150. Big deal. It's the road to 200 now. Um, I think we're at 2,400 followers on Instagram, so that's exciting. Um, but other than that, we'll be back next week. Let us know what you thought of this and any comments you have. I'm not sure if this is going to go up on YouTube. I'm going to try to get it up, but it takes a while to put it up on YouTube, especially because it's so long. Um, check out our videos. The big one this week was Garrett Cole, so go check that one out. If you have any interest writing for us, editing videos, graphic design, any way you think that you could help us, contact us at thesportuniverse2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening.